They're kind of known as the hippie chimp. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Raw Safari. Happy Tuesday, y'all. And since it's Tuesday, you know what that means. It's time for another episode of the Raw Safari Podcast. I wanted to start off by sharing a little story with y'all that is unrelated to the episode. For those of you that have been following along, you know that I am an arachnophobe, but have been working on it for a while now, trying to get over this irrational fear. Well, when I moved into my current housing for my gig, I noticed that two very small daddy long-legged spiders were living in my bathroom. I decided to leave them alone and let them share my space, and it has been going surprisingly well. I even named them the incredibly creative names Lefty and Righty, which is based on their web location in relation to my toilet. As a matter of fact, not only do I not feel afraid of them, I have discovered that Righty tends to wander off during the day before returning to his web in the evening, and the first time I noticed that he wasn't there, I actually felt concerned that something might have happened to him. This is a huge amount of progress for me, especially because daddy longleggers are some of the scariest spiders to me due to a slightly traumatic experience in my youth. Speaking of being brave and bad transitions, you should be brave enough to go check out my website, www.rossafari.com, and my merch at rossafari.redbubble.com. There's always the Instagram, at rossafari. Also, don't forget to support the podcast at patreon.com slash rossafari. I've started putting together the bonus audio from the last few episodes, including this one, and it is awesome. There's a lot of great information saved for my patrons, so make sure you check it out. Also, don't forget to tell people about the podcast and to make sure that you're subscribed. Five-star ratings and reviews also help others find the podcast, which I really appreciate. I keep thinking about going back to one episode a week, but honestly, I'm having so much fun with this, I'm planning on sticking to two a week for now. It is so much work, though, and that is always made easier when I see people subscribing, sharing, and rating and reviewing the podcast. Seriously, it makes me feel really good. Today, you are in for a great episode. Literally. We are going to visit Zoo Knoxville to talk to great ape keeper Tiffany James. Tiffany is friends with Danica Wolf, who you'll remember from the Remembering Iggy episode, and Tiffany came in with a mission. She was determined to make me fall in love with her great apes. Spoiler alert, it worked. It worked real well. This is another one of those episodes that starts off in a room with nice mics and then moves to the exhibit area to spend some time bonding with animals, and I'm including some of that audio at the end of the episode. Get ready to fall in love with Binti... Louie, and Tiffany James, great ape keeper at Zoo Knoxville. All right, Tiffany, hi. Hi. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this, especially last minute. I appreciate it. Um, So who are you, where are we, and what do you do here? My name is Tiffany James, and I am a great apes keeper at Zoo Knoxville. So I work with the chimpanzees and gorillas. Awesome. Okay, very cool. We will get to your animals in a minute. But first, let's talk about you. Um, What path did you take to get here? So I have always known that I wanted to work with 
uh, zoo animals and really primates. So when I was maybe three or four, my older sister told me I was adopted from a monkey family and I believed her for years. So I really think that's what like set me on my path to zookeeping, <laughs> which is such a weird story. But everyone says they have that like aha moment. And I think that's what it was for me. So I wanted to be a vet at first, but then realized I really hate math and there's a lot of math in that. It's not my cup of tea. So I decided to go um, learn more about zookeeping. So then I went on foreign exchange after high school, but then only applied to one college for zookeeping. I knew exactly what I wanted to do and have been on this path ever since. Awesome. And what school was that? Unity College. It's in Maine. Okay, cool. And um, they have a specific zookeeping? Yeah, so they're actually changing a lot of uh, what they do now. So I went there when it was an on-campus school, and now they're changing to hybrid, so I don't know how that how that would work for zookeeping. But when I was there, it was very hands-on. We did a lot of internships, a lot of like animal training, enrichment exhibit design classes. It was, it was incredible. Very, very cool. Do they, um, do they have animals there or are you, are they working with a partnership with a zoo or something? So we had farm animals on campus. Um, but it was a lot of internships. So it was in the middle of Maine. So there's really no zoos in Maine, no accredited zoos in Maine. Um, so we, we did internships. I did one at the Mill Mountain Zoo in Southern Virginia, and that's where I actually worked with red pandas. Nice. And then I did one in Columbus, Ohio, with their great apes team, and then have been seasonal keeper, commissary keeper, part-time farm reptiles, great apes keeper, and then now finally five years down the line, I am a full-time great apes keeper. Amazing. And your education path um, isn't ending there. Uh, I feel like yeah. I'm starting to just plug these people. They, <laughs> should, they should be a paid advertiser. But uh, tell me what you're doing What you're doing now yeah. to further your education. So I am in the Project Dragonfly Global Field Program through Miami University in Ohio. So I'm focusing in primate conservation. That's what I'm really excited about. And I'm actually on the um, teaching track. So I'm hoping to learn new ways to teach people about great apes and what they can do to help them. And I really want to build more education programs, get it in schools, so kids are learning about how incredible apes and other species are. But apes are my thing, so that's what Amazing. I Amazing. That's awesome. And that's really good because apes are not my thing. I think they're cool. Um, <laughs> they will be your thing after this. This is what you, you, you've threatened. As a matter of fact, <laughs> listeners, I will tell you, um, Tiffany said there's a chance that I'll get to go meet some of the panda keepers here and, and spend some time. Zoo Knoxville is known for their red panda uh, breeding and just the people that are here are amazing. And yet Tiffany has said that I am going to walk out of here an apes fan. So uh, the challenge the challenge is accepted. Um, and I'm excited that you are so passionate about teaching about uh, yeah. great apes because I, I, I want to learn. So um, let's start with uh, some taxonomy. Um, yeah. I know that apes are primates, mm -hmm. and um, I guess that means they're related to us. But I know that primates is, I believe it's an order, right? Mm -hmm. And um, okay, so how does it break down after that? So there are prosimians, which are like the lemurs, which I know you've talked about being around before. Um, and then there's old world and new world monkeys and lesser apes and then great apes. So great apes are what I work with here, the chimpanzees and gorillas. And there are also bonobos and orangutans, which I've worked with both in the past. Um, orangutans are the only solitary ape species. So they are from a different part of the world in Southeast Asia um, versus the three African species, which I'm more familiar with. Um, but yeah, so the easy way to tell monkeys from apes, which is a question we always have, is monkeys have tails. That's a super easy way to identify them. And then great apes are just super great, so you can just tell. <laughs> Boo. 
That's what I tell kids. That was great. I like that. No, that was actually really good. I love um, when kids correct their parents on it. It's so fun. It's, no, that it's is It's my really favorite. Cool. Yeah, the, the tail thing is is really helpful. Yeah, super um, easy. Are there other, um, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of other yeah. differences, but are there other, let's say that a you see a, a creature and it is sitting on its butt and you can't tell if there's a tail or not. Is it easy to tell in any other way or, or is that really the dead giveaway? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the dead giveaway. Size is a factor. Um, so the great apes are bigger than like lesser apes like gibbons, which don't have tails as well, but they, they just look so different to me. <laughs> but great apes, um, you couldn't really tell by looking at them, but they are considered to be more intelligent. So they, if you show them a mirror, they can recognize that it's themselves in the mirror oh, wow. versus another species might be like, why is there another monkey staring at me? Or like, why is the dog staring at me? Apes can actually know like, Oh look, I'm beautiful. And I can show you our guys with the mirrors. They love looking at themselves. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, great apes and actors have something in common. Um, <laughs> that's really cool. All right. Very, very cool. So, um, you take care of chimps yeah. and uh, gorillas here. Correct. Um, let's start with the chimps. So, yeah. so tell me about your chimps and what is a group of chimps called? So, a group of chimps and gorillas are actually called a troop. Okay. Um, sometimes I call them the squad, the family. Yes, um, this question actually came because <laughs> when we were texting, you were like, "Can't wait for you to meet the squad," and I was like. <laughs> Is that taxonomical or is she just being cool? No, they're my friends. Know. Yeah, no, I, I dig that. Yeah, if T Swift can have a squad, so yes. can you. Yes. Um, cool. So, so tell me about your your squad. <laughs> yeah. So with the chimps, we have seven chimps right now, and we do have a pregnant chimp. So we're pretty excited about that. I have never worked with a pregnant female, so this will be my first actual baby. Um, I've worked with some some juveniles, like a two year old, but. This is the first baby baby, so nice. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, she's due, um, we think, around December, but we are doing a lot of ultrasound training with her, so we're, we're kind of keeping an eye on that, so it's very exciting. But um, that has totally changed our troop dynamic here. So I like to describe chimpanzees as like a soap opera, so they are <laughs> very dramatic. There's always something going on, and these guys are so smart. They'll hold a grudge. It's hilarious. So it's a lot of like somebody's mad at somebody else because their friend is mad at them too. So it's it's just so much psychology with them. And I love psychology. So I think that's really what has drawn me to Great Apes. Um, but yeah, so we have some boy drama going on right now. I've been talking to a lot of people about it. <laughs> um, so there's like a power struggle going on right now. So with chimps, there's usually a very clear like linear hierarchy. But with us... We have some males that both want to be the alpha, but neither of them really knows what they're doing. And then we have one male that was hand-raised, which with great apes, it really changes how they behave. So he he doesn't really know how to be a chimp, and he doesn't know how to communicate as a chimp. So sometimes he's doing things that are like could be perceived as aggressive by the others, and he's just running around because he's happy. But it just kind of stirs the pot a little bit, so we've got so much drama with our, our troop. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of fun though. Break that down for me a little bit more with the three males. So, um, what does hand rearing do? How does that change yeah. the behavior? And why, why would you make the choice to do that? Yeah. So one thing we always talk about is you never want to raise any primate as a pet. Um, it's just, it's not good for them. So Lou is our chimp here that was hand raised and he is blind in one eye as far as we can tell. Um, so he, he's a little bit different, but it's, it essentially teaches them to be human instead of teaching them to be a chimpanzee. So nowadays, losing his, he's almost 30 now, um, it was considered the best practice. If a mom wasn't taking care of the baby, you would hand raise it and then put it back in with a troop when they're old enough. But now we've learned that it's actually really important for them to see like the facial cues from their mom and to hold on to their, their hair and everything 
things. So if our pregnant shim doesn't care for her baby right away, we are working with two of our other females to be a surrogate. So they'll take over that parenting role. Um, and if that doesn't work, because neither of those girls have had a baby before, um, we do have a very strict protocol we'll follow here. We have to make chimpanzee sounds. So we don't talk to it like it's a baby human. It doesn't wear a diaper. Like it's, we're going to wear fur vests, be very like safe, not spreading germs to them and, and really essentially learn to be a chimp. So that way the baby learns to be a chimp. So it's, it's a lot of communication with them and it's just, it, I like to describe it as like if I only speak English and all of a sudden get dropped off in another country with different culture, different customs, everything, I'm not going to know how to understand them right away. Maybe we'll get some of it, but not 100%. And they might not understand me, so I could do something that's offensive that I don't even know about. And I think that's what happens with them a lot. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. That's really cool how you guys have... um multiple layers of, of procedures yeah. set up for this, including the surrogacy. And then um, if you, you have to promise me that if you have to go full ape and, or full yes. champ and do this, I, I need some photos of that. Um, yes. That just sounds amazing. Um, and I know, you know, is, is the, um, I guess you would just call it a, a common belief or common understanding, but it is accurate that like smiling mm-hmm. is a, is a, uh, I can't think of the term, um, like a battle type thing. It's so, an aggressive behavior, correct? Yeah. So not necessarily. Oh, okay. So if okay. you think about it, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Franz de Waal. He's this incredible primatologist. I'm a little obsessed with him. Um, but he recently wrote a book on, uh, ape emotions. So it's, it's reasonable to say that similar species were related to them. Um, we have the same facial muscles in the same situation. Like if, if you're getting tickled and you laugh, that's laughter. But if you are like having a really awkward conversation and somebody's yelling at you, if you look at your own reactions, people smile too. And it's just like, this is awkward. I'm just trying to like diffuse this tension a right, little bit. Right. It's the same thing with them. So they, they do like happy smile too. So like when I walk down the hallway in the mornings, I love this part of my job. There's a chimp named Binti who is my best friend and she'll literally like come over and she'll smile and she'll be so cute and happy. Um, but you can say in that situation, like it is a smile, so it's not not necessarily a bad thing. But with other primate species, that's not necessarily the case. So I think baboons, there's a, a lot of like monkeys, especially that grin is not a nice thing. Right. Okay, cool. That's really, yeah. thank you for sharing that. That's really yeah. cool to know. Um, and also kills my joke, which I was just going to say, I can't <laughs> picture you not being able to smile when, no. you're, when you're with a, uh, with, with apes or just living your life. But um <laughs> Well, you killed the joke, but you gave some good Sorry. info, so I will, I'll take it. I'll yeah, take the it. masks have been really hard with the apes because they, they know our facial expressions. Chimpanzees right. more so than gorillas because we are a closer related species and they're very social. Um, so like not being able to see our faces has been hard on them. So like Binti especially gets very dramatic about masks and wants it taken down so she can see your smile and see your reactions. Um, which has been hard because they can catch any sickness we have. And during the pandemic right now, we are extra careful not to spread anything. So it's, it's been a challenge. I believe it. Yeah. It's, it's been a challenge for all of us. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. This has been an interesting time. Um, but yeah, you can't, you can't teach them what's going on. You can't, yeah. you know, I have a son and he just turned six and, um, early on he's learned more about it, but early on his mom and I talked to him about the sickness, you know, yeah. and he was, he was still five at the time and he got some of it, but some of it was, was a challenge. And, and yeah. that's with someone who you can communicate with mm-hmm. and, and who, who does understand English. So that's, uh, really interesting. Um, tell me some other, other stuff about your chimps. Yeah, there's so much to say about them. I mean, they're, so chimpanzees, um, have a fission fusion society. 
um, which no basically <laughs> basically means that they can all come together as one troop, but then during the day they'll break apart into smaller troops. So if you think about it like a classroom, like you might have a homeroom, and then you break apart throughout the day, and then you come back together. Um, that's just their social structure versus gorillas have um, just one family troop. So it's one dominant male, the silverback, and then his son might be there, but for the most part it's only one adult male and then multiple females and their offspring. So it's very different, but with chimps, there's so much social dynamics going on. So they are male dominant versus bonobos, which are female dominant. Um, chimps are considered to be pretty violent and aggressive. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just their, their species. It's how they behave and they heal so quickly, which is cool. So they, they beat each other up, but like if they get a scratch, it's healed in like a day. Oh, wow. So then now when I get a scratch, I like expect it to be healed. I'm like, man, this has been here for like a week. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a human, not a chimp. <laughs> so I expect to heal like they do. They're, they're so incredible. That's yeah. really awesome. Yeah. I did not know ooh, any of that. Um, <laughs> so what is the, the breeding like for chimps then? Is there, um, Monogamy? Is there one? No. no. They're just having fun? <laughs> yeah. So okay. it's it's very, I think it's interesting. So the goal of the males is to not let the females breed with anyone else. And the goal of the females is to breed with everybody. So it's like this interesting like system that they've got going. So females have a sexual swelling. So they'll get this big round red booty when they're sexually receptive. And they'll actually be the ones to go to a different troop in the wild. And that's kind of like the white flag, like, hey, I'm a lady. Like, come breed me. Don't hurt me type thing. Um, so they'll go and they'll breed everybody, but the dominant male, so the alpha male shouldn't, I say shouldn't because our troop's a little bit weird, but they shouldn't let anyone else breed that female in front of them, but there's definitely sneaking. So in the wild, a male might like essentially like kidnap the females and like pull them out to a different area and like, no, we're staying here. But the reason that females want to breed with everybody is that way nobody knows who the dad is. So like, you're not going to kill a baby if it could be yours, but if it's somebody else's and you want to breed that female again, you could just... I mean, unfortunately, infanticide's not uncommon with chimps, but you could just get rid of that offspring and then have the chance to breed. So the goal is to have nobody know who the dad is. Interesting. <laughs> Very cool. And um, do we know who the dad is here? We can guess. So Lou, our hand-raised chimp, he doesn't understand breeding. We've never actually seen him breed. I'm still rooting for him to be the dad because <laughs> Jumbo, our female, she's very smart. She could breed herself on him. It's not unheard of in the ape world. Um, so we've got a little poll going. I think the dad is our chimp Jimbo. Some others think the dad is Ripley, who's supposed to be our alpha. But it's we don't know. We will do a genetic test once the baby's born because we do need to know um, for the species survival plan, which is the biggest conservation movement on the planet, essentially. Like we are working to breed healthy individuals, healthy offspring that are genetically diverse, are in the right social system. So we we want to make sure we know what genes that baby has and if it's prone to any diseases or just, just we need to know as much about it as we can. Of course. That yeah. makes sense. I guess, if my understanding is correct, we're the closest related to bonobos, and then chimps are basically number two. Mm -hmm. So yeah. talk to me about the human-chimp uh, connection. Yeah, so I love talking about this. I'm really into, like, evolutionary anthropology. It's my thing, psychology. I think it's so interesting. So technically, we are closer related to bonobos. Um, chimps are very close behind that. Um, so you'll hear a lot of excuses for violence, essentially, in our society. It's like big picture is that we're prone to do it because it's our animalistic, um, like, I don't know what the word is. I can't even think about it. 
What it's is, like our, our like destiny, if you will, for lack of a, I know what you're trying <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, we're programmed to do that, and yeah. you can tell evolutionarily but, our closest ones do. So this is my favorite thing to throw in there. Yes. A lot of people don't know about bonobos, and they are this incredible, incredible species. They're female dominant. They're kind of known as the hippie chimp. So they are very, <laughs> very, if I'm talking to children, I say physically affectionate with each other. But they like to have sex all the time. I mean, it's just, if they're mad, they're going to have sex. If they're happy, they're going to have sex. They're going to have sex with their sibling, their parent. Like, I mean, everybody. It's just their society. And they're very peaceful. So infanticide is, like, unheard of with them. They don't have the big, like, aggressive populations like chimpanzees do, even though they're that same vision fusion um, sort of, like, social group. So I think it's so interesting that a female-led society um, is more peaceful. So if people say that it's... It's our, like, it's natural for us to be aggressive. It's really not. Um, it's, it's a choice. You can learn. You can adapt. So chimpanzees are super aggressive. It is natural for them to be aggressive. Um, but using that as an excuse for people is, I mean, it doesn't really fly. Bonobos, switch it all up. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're saying women should run society and everyone will get to have lots more sex and less violence. <laughs> I mean, you said it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, here for, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. That, that works for me. Um, cool. So let's switch it over to gorillas. Yeah. Um, I love them. So I have, I have said, you know, primates aren't the biggest thing mm-hmm. in my world, but I have connected with a few silverbacks in my day at yes. zoos and I can't even explain why. Normally with animals, I can like mm-hmm. tell you why I love yeah. them, but there are just these moments. Um, there was a male at the, the Philly zoo and I'm blanking on his name, but he has since moved on, but I could sit and hang out with him mm-hmm. forever. We were yeah. just buds. And, um, yeah. So, so tell me about your gorillas. I love gorillas. So gorillas were the first ape that I really like fell in love with. I was like, I'm a gorilla person. I want to work with gorillas. And then it was, I worked with orangutans. I'm an orangutan person. I want to work with orangutans. This is the first zoo I worked with chimps um, closely. So I did a little bit in my last zoo, but now I'm like, I'm also a chimp person. I want to work with chimps, but gorillas were really my first love. They're, they're gentle giants. We would never go in with them um, or any other ape just because we are so weak compared to them. Humans are very fragile. Um, so there is a, goodness, now she's five years old, um, baby, Obi, that I work closely with in our troop. Um, and I'm her primary trainer and I play tug of war with her. She's stronger than I am. It's crazy. Wow. But there's, I, you know, I can't even describe it either. There's something about gorillas. It's just that knowing look. They're, they're so just, gosh, they just have this presence about them. It's hard to describe. That's the thing. I feel like I know that chimps and bonobos are more closely related. Yeah. But I feel like with, with the gorillas I'm talking about that we understand each other. And I'm sure we don't. Yeah. There's something in the way it looks or something. But whereas, like, if you had, asked me before I was educated on this stuff, which primate we were the closest mm-hmm. to, I would have said gorillas, even yeah. though physically, clearly not. But um, there's just something about them. And I just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just love that. Okay. So here's a random question to throw in. Are you a cat person or a dog person? Dog person. Do- okay. Interesting. So usually when I ask this question, people say they're a cat person if they like gorillas more and they're a dog person if they like chimps more. It's just, I don't know if that's a real thing or it's just a coincidence, but gorillas are more, more like cats essentially. So they like care about you when you have something for them for the most part. And obviously there's some individuals you get close with. They know who you are. Younger ones are more playful, but then chimps like want your attention like all the time. <laughs> so it's more like a dog, like, Hey, what are we doing now? Well, maybe I just, yeah. it was my lack of, like I said, I really don't know much about chimps or bonobos. Yeah. Um, of all the interviews I've, I've done, 
this is probably the species I know the least about. That's fun. That um, makes us no, the best. No, it's so one. <laughs> much fun. I'm so excited. And it's, it's so funny too, because I, I always talk about all these nerdy animals like tamanduas mm-hmm. and binturongs and tree kangaroos, but like everyone knows chimps. Yeah. But, uh, I kind of don't. So this has been very, very cool so far. Um, Awesome. So tell me how big is your your family of gorillas and yeah. tell me about their dynamic. So right now um, we have a solitary silverback. His name is Wanto and he was hand raised. So like our chimpanzee Lou, he doesn't really understand how to be a gorilla. So he cares more about people than he cares about um, the other gorillas. So I would guess that the one that you met with and were getting that strong connection with was hand raised. Maybe not, but well, usually they care sense, more. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's solitary right now. He's an older male. We tried introducing him. I say we, it was before I came here, um, to our females, um, because they did have a breeding recommendation and it just, he didn't really like the girls. Girls didn't really like him. We had our current silverback with that troop was also in the building. He was in a different space at that point, but he seemed more interested in the girls. So they gave it a shot and three babies later, it worked out well. <laughs> well all right then. <laughs> yeah. So we have, um, our silverback Bantu. He is a young male. He is in his twenties. So he's a young sprightly man. Um, he is about 400 pounds. So that's, that's about average for a silverback. Um, and then we have three moms that are all older. So we have Koali, Maki, and Hope. Um, Koali and Maki are in their forties now, so they will not have another breeding recommendation. And Hope is in her late thirties. Um, each of them has a baby right now. Wow. So yeah, we, we've got a lot of girls in that family, that's but crazy. They're, they're fun. So, um, what is like the normal life expectancy? So that is always a really hard question for me to answer. So geriatric is considered, um, gosh, in the wild, I think 30 is life expectancy for a male, if, if that. Um, they are prone to heart disease, and there's obviously a lot going on in the world. So in the wild, they're not going to live as long. Um, but our silverback Wanto is geriatric. He's in his 40s. Um, he's in great health right now. So it's it, it's hard to say. Males don't live as long as the females. Um, I worked with a female in her 60s. I've actually worked with two females in their 60s now, Colo wow. and Columbus. And then Trudy and Little Rock, um, both have since passed, unfortunately, but they can live into their 60s. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and so, um, do they just stay with the family after breeding age? Do they just get to be grandmas and stuff? Or how does that work? It's a good question. I mean, I am not going to say I'm a girl expert because I'm not. <laughs> I know a lot about our animals. Um, but in the wilds, I mean, they don't live as long as here. So it's it's interesting to see, like, I, I think we're all still in that learning process of what do older females do? Do they stay with the troop? Do they leave? I'm sure somebody has the answer. I don't. <laughs> but with our guys, we're managing them um, it, quality of life for every single individual. We look at that. Um, one of our females is older um, and she has back issues. So we pay extra attention to her. And if her back um, gets worse or she she's not having a good quality of life with the troop, we would probably move her with an SSP recommendation, of course, to a different area, a different group or something. So we try to manage them on an individual basis. Right now, I mean, our family's doing well together. We do have a boy who's five. He's starting to to become a man, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so he's causing some issues. That's actually the older female's son. So he's he's rowdy. Um, so we're, we're kind of trying to figure out how to manage him and his, his little goofy self. <laughs> <laughs> very cool, very cool. And how do you stop breeding is it just birth control do you birth fix control. them okay cool, yeah cool, cool. so we we wouldn't castrate any of our males um just because i've heard a story of a gorilla troop in 
I want to say Philly, actually, um, a building caught on fire, an entire family was wiped out, and then there was, like, one left with the, these genes that needed to spread them. So to me, it's like you would never want to get rid of those genes because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, something unfortunate, like a natural disaster, anything could happen, and then we could just lose a bunch of genetically valuable individuals or we could think that somebody wasn't valuable and then all of a sudden learn that they were. So we, we wouldn't castrate, but we do birth control and we manage our troop cool. accordingly. That makes sense. Um, in general, what is the IUCN rating for, for gorillas and chimps? Both are critically endangered. Okay. Um, yeah, so gorillas are worse off than chimpanzees right now. Um, they are uh, native to the Congo Basin, so they'll live in equatorial Africa. And coltan mining, which is in our smartphones, tablets, laptops, um, that's really impacting their habitat. So these logging roads are being made, and then uh, poaching increases. There are disease spread. Ebola was a big problem with them in the wild. Um, but yeah, the coltan mining, I would say, is the biggest thing. And people can actually get involved with that and bring in your tablets, phones, other electronics to be recycled. A lot of zoos do it. Zoo Knoxville does it. You could mail things here and we'll recycle that. So it's less mining required from their habitat. Excellent. Thank you for uh, that, because I always want to yeah. turn it to conservation. Yeah. So that's very, very cool to know. Um, awesome. So with them being critically endangered, do you know if anything has been done as far as uh, artificial insemination type stuff and, and any, anything like that? Honestly, I have no idea. I'm sure it has been done. Um, but I really don't know. <laughs> the reason this popped in yeah. my head is that I was just at the Columbus zoo yeah. and they have two cheetahs who mm -hmm. are, are cubs there now that were successful AI, yeah. um, cheetahs. And they're the first ones ever to successfully, yeah. uh, be born and, and, you know, be making it. Mm -hmm. And, um, the plan is they want to try it two or three more times to that's perfect cool. the science and then start doing it in the wild. Wow, that's and incredible. And I'm just wondering what you could do with the genetic diversity of zoo yeah. populations implanted into mothers in the wild. Hey, everyone. I wanted to correct myself here. I referred to the recent cheetah cubs at the Columbus Zoo as AI cubs, but they are actually IVF cubs. AI stands for artificial insemination, a process by which sperm is artificially placed in the uterus, and contraception happens naturally from that point on. IVF, or in vitro fertilization, is significantly more challenging. Eggs and sperm are combined outside the body in a lab, and then once an embryo is formed, that embryo is placed in the uterus, in this case of a surrogate mother. This is a much more difficult process than AI, so props to the scientists at the Columbus Zoo for their incredible, and adorable, success in the IVF birth of Dave and Adrian, the cheetah cubs. Anyway, back to the interview. Yeah. You know. So unfortunately, there's just no space for them to be in the wild. Gotcha. So we have a very healthy um, zoo population. Gorillas are actually one of the best managed SSPs um, that I know of in terms of population numbers. But there's just really no safe space. And it's because of that big smartphone boom. Everybody has a smartphone. I have an iPhone in my pocket. Like we all have it. Um, so the demand is really high. Um, so unfortunately, that means there's a lot of mining. There's a lot of things going on. So if we had a billion gorillas right now, and we were to put them in the wild, unfortunately, we would be back in the situation just because there's no safe space. Hopefully, that'll be changing. Um, I know there's a lot of really great sanctuaries and conservation organizations out there. I'll throw a plug into PASA, the Pan-African Sanctuary Alliance, um, but they're really working to make it safer for wild apes. Wow, that's, I thought I had just solved, um, you know, the, the, the two, <laughs> two major problems. No, I'm kidding. But uh, that is, that's actually heartbreaking to hear, though. Like, yeah. I've never... I guess I've never thought of how much like, yeah, 
you always hear about potential reintroduction yeah. being such a huge thing. But yeah, I guess if you don't have a habitat to reintroduce them to, yeah. what can you do? And that's not to say there aren't reintroductions going on. Um, Freedom, the gorilla, was a big case in um, Africa. They were actually able to reintroduce a male back into the wild, and it's wow. been pretty successful. Um, we just posted a story about that with PASA, so you can go there, find that link, and read about it if you're interested. Speaking of which, um, you are planning on traveling and would yes. already have been traveling, except, you know, the world is being destroyed at the moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so tell me about the that whole plan, and is that still going to happen, and what are you going to be doing? Yeah, so that should still be happening um, whenever <laughs> the world is safe again. But I am so fortunate our zoo has a program called Quarters for Conservation. So um, a part of a ticket sale from every single person that comes into the zoo goes into this big conservation fund and then we can apply and get a grant and I was really lucky my zoo supporting me going so it's all fully funded whenever I can get there um, to go and I actually made this connection and was invited to be a uh, primate training person with PASA so they I've been doing fundraisers with them through AZAC um, the American Association of Zookeepers and have been raising money for PASA, kind of got to know the director a little bit, supported Sweetwater's Chimpanzee Sanctuary in Kenya through a fundraiser, and then they asked if I wanted to come out and help and work with their team. So I get to learn from their team of chimp keepers, and then I'll get to help them learn some new things too. So it'll be a good exchange of information. So I'm so excited about it, if it'll ever happen, which it will, but when <laughs> that's sick yeah. oh that's so cool yeah. very cool very cool um and you were supposed to be there now would have been the yeah i would have been back but... uh last week it okay. was supposed to be there for two weeks yeah mm. well i'm sorry that that has been uh delayed but like i said <laughs> yeah. delayed and it'll be it'll, worth it we'll get, you'll get there you'll get yeah. there everything will come back eventually i'm i'm sure of it so um awesome and we're going to go on a walk in a little bit and, yeah. and I'll have my recorder. So, um, for those listening, there will be more information coming about <laughs> the animals here and I'm excited about that. But before we do that, um, what is your favorite non-primate animal and why? Oh my goodness. A non-primate animal. I have so many. Um, Aldabra tortoises. I really love them. <laughs> I don't know why. And red pandas, of course. Um, but I w I'll say tortoises because I really like, if somebody says you can't do something, I love to just do it. <laughs> so I'm actually getting published, should be next month or so, um, through AZAC about training a tortoise. So my boss at a different zoo didn't really think that we could train a tortoise to get on a scale. And there was a disconnect with uh, marketing and it got advertised. We were doing a live weigh-in during spring break. And this, this like 500 pound tortoise wasn't scale trained. <laughs> oh, no. So I was like, I'll do it. Um, and we target trained that boy onto the scale and it was just, oh gosh, such a proud moment. Also because my boss was like, yeah, I know you could do it the whole time. And I was like, sure you did. <laughs> so it was awesome. So I just love tortoises, but that's so cool. Yeah, I do too. I think that any animal I work with becomes my favorite. I'll be like, no, I don't really like, like chimps. I didn't think I was a chimp person. I'm obsessed with chimps now. Yeah, you <laughs> so are. Yeah, you <laughs> gotta are. love them. Um, very cool. So Tell me, I know that um, great apes are incredibly smart. Yeah. So what do you do to um, encourage that and to not let them get bored? And, and what kind of enrichment do you do? Yeah, we do so much enrichment. So we actually have a calendar of tons of different ideas and are just constantly coming up with new things. So we do a lot of fire hose enrichment to kind of mimic that um, arboreal behaviors. Um, and the gorillas who would normally spend more time on the ground, they love being up high. The babies especially love to spin in circles. So we do what so, they like. So clarify just for people yeah. listening. Um, 
I don't want people to hear that and think that you're spraying them with fire hoses. Oh. <laughs> um, because honestly, I did not realize at first. How, I mean, they do love know. getting sprayed, so. Fair, fair, fair. But explain how you use fire yeah, hoses. Yeah, so we get fire hoses donated um, from local fire departments. And I think pretty much every zoo has this, which is a great relationship to have. Um, but when they can no longer use like the physical, like canvas hoses, they're essentially indestructible. So you can give it to pretty much, I say pretty much, cause there's always the exception, <laughs> but pretty much any species. So we use it to kind of make like vines. Um, so like, we'll just have them dangling and our animals can like swing from them. We'll make hammocks out of it, which are so comfortable to just lay in. Ugh, I love them, <laughs> but we use it for everything in zoos. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. If, um, if you were listening to this and you are, are surprised or thinking that you've never seen that, you're probably wrong. Next time you go to a zoo, look at almost any exhibit yeah. and you will see they make balls out of mm -hmm. it. They make hammocks. They make ropes. Um, it's really cool. And also... I know that at least some zoos keep that relationship super healthy, not only to get the, the fire hose, yeah. but um, if there's ever an emergency or anything, yeah, they will not only come and help with the emergency stuff, but um, like you can refill, uh, you know, otter pools and yeah. stuff using. Oh, well, that's um, a great idea. That, that, well, so um, my home zoo <laughs> is uh, Elmwood Park Zoo in yeah. Norristown. And um, that's what we did. I clean, I helped, there was some flooding there. Mm -hmm. and I helped clean out the otter exhibit. Um, two of us were in there hand scrubbing it. Yeah. And then afterwards, a fire truck came and ran a hose. That's and awesome. Psh, otters <laughs> had water just like that. Wow. Yeah, it was very cool. So keeping yeah. up those kinds of relationships is really important yeah. and really Yeah, cool. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I love about zoos is really like if you ask somebody to get involved with the zoo, for the most part, people are really excited about it. So like, I mean, the more people learn about zoos and like how they can help if they want to get involved, there's an option for everybody. If you want to volunteer, if you want to do signage, like I just, I just love how it brings everybody from all the demographics out there, like just brings them together in one place. So definitely, like definitely. And that's, you know, like I said, that's one hope of this podcast is to encourage people to go and love yeah. thy zoo and get involved. <laughs> and yes. um, yeah, very cool. So speaking of zoos and zookeepers, what is one thing that you find to be true of, of most keepers that the general public would be surprised by? Oh goodness. Um, there's, we're weird people. Like I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So it's like, again, I really like psychology. So like there's different personality types with different species. So like the primate people, we're not always extroverted, but usually we're more like this huge stereotype, dramatic and everything. <laughs> and then like, I think panda keepers, shout out to Danica. They're like the quirky, like goofier people, which I love. And then there's like the carnivore people, which are usually more reserved. We kind of mimic the species we work with. <laughs> like it's super weird. So I, I think that's one thing that's interesting. And yeah. That that does make sense. I, I did an interview with a tortoise keeper and we only got through three questions in an hour because <laughs> she was, no, I'm kidding. This is just a bad joke. I'm sorry. But, uh, it's a funny joke. I like those. Um, so, okay. So the last thing that I like to do in yeah. every like sit down part of the interview is the poop story. Oh um, yeah. And, and I'm sure you have at least one, feel free to many. share. <laughs> um, but, and the point of this, I always like to defend it, even though people always love it and I never have to, but <laughs> is that I'm not just looking to be gross for grossness mm -hmm. sake, but what shows love more than the <laughs> willingness to get real gross for something? Yeah. Like I was so grossed out by puke and 
poop and then I had a kid and, <laughs> yeah, and I will yeah. do anything with miles and that stuff doesn't bother me. Yeah. But like if I see another kid throwing up, it's still going to make me gag. Yeah. Honestly, you know? like diapers, like I'm an aunt. I love my niece and nephew. I like human things just disgust me. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I think that's that. pretty common with zookeepers too. But like <laughs> chimpanzees, so you're asking a chimp keeper about poop. You should mm-hmm. be prepared for this. They throw poop. They do it in the wild. They do it in zoos. They do it the hand-raised ones, shout out to Moilu, the, the chimp. He throws poop if he's really excited and happy, which is not normal. <laughs> um, so my favorite poop story, I mean, I've been, like, covered head to toe in poop many times. Like, I, I'll be totally honest. There, If you say no to a chimp bow, she'll throw poop or spit a loogie in your face. And girl has exact aim. It's insane. But my favorite, favorite poop story is with my favorite chimpanzee, Minty. Oop. Don't tell the others I said I have a favorite. Sorry. Um, they'll know. Um, but my coworkers, so we have four people in our team. We're all pretty close. We're all great keepers. But just like people, chimps don't don't like everybody. So I'm not going to like every person I meet, and there will be some people I like more. Same with them. I am one of the lucky people that Binti really likes. She is my best friend. Um, but there's one keeper. She is brutal to her and just like threw like a wet pile of poop all over her. This coworker is like, cool, thanks. Another coworker walks down the hallway and Bitty was expecting the one she wanted to throw at. She threw at that other keeper anyway. And then another <laughs> keeper who she generally likes walked down the hallway too. They're like, no way. Bitty's not throwing all this poop. Bitty spit water all over her. And then like I was standing there the whole time and she just walks up to me so sweet, just like, hi, I love you so much. She just like tore tortured my coworkers. It was hilarious. She's never thrown at me. That's amazing. I'm honored. That's, that's, that's how you know it's love. <laughs> yeah, that's a chimp keeper for you. Awesome. Well, Tiffany, the floor is yours. Yeah. Um, if there is anything that you would like to talk about as far as anything, yeah. um, especially if there are any conservation organizations, we've already talked a little bit, yeah. but, um, you know, final words. Yeah. So one thing I want everybody to know is zoos have been hit really hard by COVID, just like the rest of the world. So one thing you can do is go out and support your zoo, visit your local zoo, donate money online if you can. If you can't, share posts that they're doing. Go get excited about them. Listen to this podcast. (laughs) Follow zoos. Follow Zoo Knoxville. Um, Just do what you can to support your zoo because we really appreciate it. And that's how we're surviving right now is from the love and support of our community, um, both people here and far away supporting us. Um, and then conservation organizations, Pan-African Sanctuary Alliance. Follow them on Instagram. It's PASA, PASA Primates. Look at their website. Follow them on LinkedIn. They are amazing. And I do a lot of volunteer work with them, so I'll talk about them all day, every day. Um, but you can really, you can learn so much and support what they're doing. And it's a great way to connect zoos to conservation work in the wild. So I I help run their social media accounts, and we're really trying to push that connection. Um, zoos are helping these animals. People donating are helping these animals. People making toys for the animals. Like it's, just, it's an amazing opportunity. And then if you want to learn more about the animals here at Zoo Knoxville, you can always follow me on Instagram at Gorilla Tiff. Super easy. <laughs> Is that one F or two? Yeah. Two Fs. Okay, yep. cool. Perfect. Gorilla with two Ls. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's everything. Yeah. Then. Cool. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Okay. Now you'll get to hear some of the audio from my handheld recorder as Tiffany and I went and met some chimps and gorillas. The first moment here is the exact moment I fell in love with a chimp for the first time as I met Louie. Louie has a special head bob communication he does when he wants a person to repeat an action, and, well, I'll let you listen in as you picture that. <laughs> 
So we are currently hanging out with Louie, one of the chimps at the zoo, and Louie is obsessed with my shoes. And um, Tiffany said that when I started to get to know her, her wards here, that I was going to fall in love, and she was right. My heart has just fallen for Louie. He just, he's so into my shoes, and he does a little behavior to show that he wants me to keep going as I move them around. And um, he even followed them as I walked across the little area here. And, oh, he wants me to do it. He's bobbing his head. He's, he's very excited about my shoes. And uh, this is just the most amazing experience. He is just gorgeous. His, name, his real name is Muelu. And as his zookeepers, we just have a million different nicknames for him. So if he's not behaving, we call him Lucifer <laughs> or Lulu or Louie, Lou, and anything. He's just weird. So we, we just all love him so much. We have a bunch of nicknames for this man. He's he's very into shoes. He was hand raised, so he has some weird behaviors, but he's very lovable. Absolutely. After a little solo hang with Louie, I spent some time with some of the other chimps, including Tiffany's best friend, Binti. This is Binti. So she's my best friend, Chimp. Probably my best friend in Tennessee. Sorry, everybody. She's perfect. And just a reminder, <laughs> Tiffany is married, but, you know. <laughs> my husband knows that Binti's my girl. Like, That's she's my, my family here. So we are looking right now in my lunchbox. So Binti is another celebrity here at the zoo. She really likes to go through people's belongings. So, like, if we are doing a keeper chat and I have to see somebody with a big purse, I'm like, if you show her your purse, she'll go crazy about it. So she wants to see every single thing you have. Same with strollers. She just loves being nosy. She's very girly um, and, like, actually has a favorite color. It's pink. She'll, like, wrap pink and purple things around her. But then one time we had um, some electricians here, and they were playing, like, heavy metal music in the back. She loved it. It was so <laughs> yes. funny. So She was, like, dancing. <laughs> so hilarious. And they all have their favorite music and stuff. So Bo, she really likes Shawn Mendes. <laughs> really likes and like snapchat filters nice which is funny and then jimbo like swing music nice yeah. all right i think i'm with jimbo on this one <laughs> yeah right you want oh literally pointing right that. at my recorder do you want my recorder i can't you can't yeah Binti gets anything she wants so she'll point more with me than anyone else because i'm her primary trainer mm -hmm. um so like the way we have it broken down here is that there's a team of four of us and we each work closely with two chimps and two gorillas okay. and we just have really strong relationships with them and that was chosen um, based on our preferences but mostly the pre preferences of who the animals work best with so just like people they might not like everybody binti really likes me so i'm a good person to work with her so i always reinforce her or give her treats when she's doing something um, and try to like basically like start it out by buying my way into her her heart which totally worked so now she points at me because i usually have snacks in my pockets for her or just love her and if she wants somebody else to do something she'll point at me and point to them be like i want you to go do this and it is very very clear what she wants nice that's awesome she is so cool <laughs> i wish i could give you my recorder right now like, give it to me you now would, you would break it but i would give it to things. you so daisy over here is waiting for one yep. of us to pull out our cell phones to be on selfie mode oh that's what she's staring at us for is that selfie come here she is obsessed with this she knows i do it pretty much every time okay so she sees herself Alright. <laughs> She's posing for the she'll, selfie. Yeah, she'll play with her lips. She likes making kissy faces. She'll flip her lip in a minute here. She loves it. She might come down. She also gets really mad if you take it down and take put your phone back away sometimes. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mean it. Sorry. Here you go. She is our Iggy. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you wanna come here? She dances. She's super goofy. Hey, Daisy. And she plays favorites too. 
Or just like our keeper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, I'm my primary um, other second. Second champ, can't even talk. He actually moved to Dallas. So okay. George, he's doing really well there. He had a breeding recommendation, but he's Daisy's son. Okay, cool. So Daisy, she's dancing. Hi, yeah, Daisy. Oh, dancing. that was a good lip flip. I like that. <laughs> she likes cool. doing it when she can see herself, especially. Oh, she, so good. She's too busy for me. Lou's back inside. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hi, Lou. It's fun because even when we're in, we say people close, like not in uniform, we come to the zoo, they can pick us out of a crowd. Nice. And it's so funny. They'll like run over to us. Super cute. That's awesome. Daisy, do you want to come over or no? Okay. We do what she wants. She's okay. a queen. Bye, Daisy. It was nice to see you. Well, she's going to dance again. <laughs> As you can tell, that was a lot of fun. Okay. Here's just a quick interesting fact about Binti and chimps in general that I found fascinating. Kidding. That's awesome. If I'm having a bad day, like, like they know, so it's part of their social behavior. So it's, it is normal for them to like pick favorite people and like back their friends. So like if I'm annoyed at somebody, Benji's annoyed at somebody. So I, I have to watch my own emotions. Right, right. Because they can read it and they can tell. I don't want her being mean to somebody because I'm in a bad mood. Because mm-hmm. I was like, we really have to pay attention. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's okay. really cool. And for the last clip, you'll get to spend a couple minutes learning all about the gorillas at the zoo with some hilarious stories. This is Bantu. Hi, Bantu. He's our silverback. Oh, um, yeah, he is. We have <laughs> the big man. He's very strong and handsome. He's very ticklish. So his feet, <laughs> he'll sit up at that door and put his feet up and we can tickle his feet. And he thinks it's so funny. It's really cute. That's amazing. Yeah, he's he's a good boy. He likes to try to scare people sometimes, which is really funny. Um, Obi is sleepy over there in that corner. She's usually our wild child. Mm-hmm. So whenever we have to do extra safety precautions here, we have to make sure it's Obi safe. Because when she was, um, gosh, it was just before I started. I think she just turned two. She got a toy stuck on her tongue and had to be immobilized to have the toy removed from her tongue. Oh, no. So when we started doing primary trainers, um, Obi is my girl and her mom, Hope. So I immediately started working on the weird things that she does. So, like, I have a tongue behavior. I have open mouth. I can brush her teeth. We do all the body parts. So that way, if she ever gets something stuck on her, I can have her get it out. And I've also had to train Hope to take things away from Obi, which is a weird thing that you wouldn't expect. Oh, she's going to be goofy. She's got her goofy face on. (laughs) Um, Give her a minute to wake up. Um, But Hope will take something away from her. And that's a trained behavior because her daughter gets into so many things. We joke that she was dropped on her head as a baby. (laughs) She's just so weird. Like, she hangs upside down more than she's upright. She went through a phase where she would only eat upside down, which is fine. I mean, she's just not normal. She also thought it was really funny one time. She had a Lego in her mouth, and because she was so weird, I thought she was choking on it. And I reacted. I was like, oh, my goodness, are you okay? And she thought it was so funny. She put the thing back in her mouth, kept making the sound, and would just, like, laugh and laugh and laugh. So she was, like, doing it on purpose. I was like, you little terror that's so she's funny. a monster her nickname is monster for me well there you have it a great episode about great apes with a great person and some great jokes okay okay i'll stop now don't forget to check out tiffany on instagram at gorilla tiff and follow zoo knoxville at zoo knoxville also take a look at Pasa Primates to see the amazing conservation work being done by the Pan-African Sanctuary Alliance. Also, make sure you stay tuned through the end credits, or I may have to throw poop at you. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. 
Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.